Hey girl, I'm gonna turn the lights down low. I'm gonna take you on a wonder ride through a land of magic. Just relax back on those cushions, sip your wine, and I'm gonna release the clowns. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special series of Release the Clowns episodes in which we uh, talk to the writers of the show and get them to pick some of their favourite sketches and talk to us about them uh, to explain why they did what they did and whether they were happy about it and whether they think it's big and clever. And the first person in the chair this week is my co-producer, Alex Marion. Hello. Hello. Oh, I'm Nick Hildred, by the way. I should have said that at the start, shouldn't I? <laughs> hey, I, I'm a comedy writer, not an interviewer, as this shows. So, Alex, uh, that was that was an opening to the show that you improvised. Um, tell us about it. Um, well, I, th- I think it's fairly self-explanatory. I wanted to be Barry White. So for 30 seconds, I was. Um, How did that feel? That felt pretty good, actually. I I think Barry has felt pretty good about himself for most of his life. Well, who you would if you were Barry White? Yeah, the wow. walrus of love. What's what could be better? The elephant seal of love. Yeah, the penguin of love. Oh yeah, the penguin of love. The penguin of love would be good. Oh yeah, penguins are very loving. So, and pretty good parents. Excellent parents. Yeah, lovely parents and considerate lovers. Apparently so. So, Alex, do you, do you want to tell the the listeners why we're doing this? Uh, well, so basically what's happened is we've run out of sketches. Yep. Um, we've managed to keep ourselves going through lockdown, through having a, a big backlog of sketches already recorded and doing lots of monologues that people have been able to record in their own home. But we finally reached the point where the vaults are empty um, and there's not really much chance of getting another recording session in in the next couple of months, I don't think. Yeah, unless unless lockdown disappears completely, uh, it's going to be very difficult. Also, I'm moving house at the yeah. end of the month. Which doesn't help. It doesn't help at all. It's very inconsiderate of me, to be frank. Cause I I'm know, a... I've, I've always fought against this idea of people having lives as a substitute for doing exactly what I want them to do all the time. Yeah. But, uh, you seem to have gone ahead and done it anyway. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, is is you know, so um, so yeah, so so this is what we're going to do. We're going to chit chat about um sketches. Um, now the first main sketch of your show. Now that let's put this in context. You've written all these sketches. Yes, these are all sketches I've written, and basically you and I have written at least one sketch in every show that we've ever done. Yes. Um, so there were a lot to choose from. It was quite a, a fraught process. It's a bit like uh, choosing your favourite child. So, um, we got it down to five or six sketches each. And the first one I've chosen is... So you want to be a detective. So you want to be a detective. Um, and the reason I've chosen this is partly because it's just wonderfully silly. Yes. Um, it ta- takes an idea that we're all familiar with, 
the idea that all detectives on film and television are frankly incapable of actually doing the job of detective and takes it as far as we can go with it. But really the reason I've chosen it is actually because the performances, particularly from yourself, Nick and Gemma, oh. are just brilliant. The way the way Gemma says department that I can't yeah, that's cracks brilliant. me up every time. Yeah. Kowalski. No, it's 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 a, it's it's actually one of my favourite sketches, and certainly one of my favourite sketches to have been in. Thank you for writing a part for me. As you're very welcome. Um, so, should we have a listen? Okay. So, Officer Miller, you want to be a detective? Yes, sir. I think I got good instincts. Yeah, that O'Halloran. He thinks he's got instincts. Huh. We'll see about that, Miller. You got a suspect in the cell. You make him for the pope. Oh, you make him good. But he's not cracking. Do you A, wait for his lawyer, uh-huh. B, get a warrant from the judge giving oh, yeah. due cause, yeah. or C, pull out your gun and dry fire it twice into his face? Click, click, mother humper. Uh, obviously not C. Uh, that's definitely not procedure. Screw procedure. Who the hell do you think we are? Uh, detectives? Maverick detectives, goddammit. Uh, I, I don't understand. Big surprise. Let's go again. You're chasing an armed suspect. He cuts into a busy mall. Citizens everywhere. Uh-huh. Families, grandmas, couple of newlyweds. Do you A, withdraw and call for backup? B, clear the area and establish a perimeter. Oh, yeah. C, draw your piece, yell, freeze, maggot, and start shooting. Uh, B, B, we protect and we serve. Wise up, kid. Joe Public wants results, and he don't give a good goddamn that some I do saying schmuck got dusted when gangster number one's on a slab. You gotta be a maverick, kid. You gotta play fast. Play loose. Break rules. Cut corners. Let me ask you something, Miller. You married? Well, five years. And your wife? She wanted to stand by you, but she had to leave because your inner demons slash infidelity slash pathological commitment to the job drove her away. Right? No, I love my wife. I'd never do that to her. Shut up, Miller. We're trying to help you out here. She took the kids, and you only get visitation every other Sunday. Supervised. Yes. High five. No, I put my kids to bed and read them a story every night. Get him out of here, O'Halloran, or I swear to God. Kowalski. What? Kowalski, look at me. I can't. We've all been there, man. No, you you can't live there. You gotta come home. Even if there's no map. It's too far. And you lost your shoes. And your car's a picture you cut out of a magazine. At the dentist. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No. Shut your mouth, Miller. Kowalski's earned respect. He gets results. Come on, Miller. Throw us a bone here. You got a troubled past? Not really. Your best friend's a mobster. Well, of course not. Uncontrollable rage due to trauma from your military service. Well, I was a kindergarten teacher. You're a depressive. An obsessive compulsive living in uh, an abandoned theater. Addicted to dangerous sex and collect porcelain cats. Alcoholic martial arts expert. Gambler. In too deep in a secret sushi chef. 
crack-addicted jazz drummer. What the hell is wrong with you people? We are cops. We protect. We serve. We do not break the law. We do not bring our personal lives to work. And we do not have time for stupidly niche hobbies. Do you understand? You'd better. Because if not so help me God, I will make you understand. Yes, yes Officer, Officer Miller. <clears throat> could you say... Yell. Oh, right, yeah. Um, could you yell, I am sick and tired of you two knuckleheads bringing down heat from City Hall on this department. Uh, I am sick and tired of you two knuckleheads bringing down heat from City Hall on this department. Neat. Try, step out of line again, and your ass is mine, Kowalski. Uh, step out of line again, and your ass is mine, Kowalski. Wow. Congratulations, Miller. What? You just made harassed lieutenant tough but fair class. What? R really? Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, then I want you two out there bagging perps. Screw up, and I'll have your badges. Now get the hell out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, seriously, get out. Now, at this point, I feel like I should chuckle, because uh, that's a funny sketch. But um, since I haven't actually just listened to it, <laughs> uh, that, it'll come across as a bit fake. Me going, <laughs> oh, Alex. Oh, that was brilliant. Uh, but, Alex, that was brilliant. Um, so, well done. <laughs> Which, that sounded infinitely more sincere. <laughs> You're welcome. Parkinson never has this problem, does he? Oh, no. that's because he's a professional journalist yeah, he's who, a professional. who has an actual set of questions to ask. Um, I did actually have a set of questions to ask at the top. If you want to, do you want to hear one of those? Yeah, let's okay. let's hear one of those. Name, rank, and serial number. Go. <laughs> what, does that, what does that even mean? I, I don't know. I thought it'd be. <laughs> is, a... is this an interrogation now? Am I actually in a torture situation? Yes. Well, it's torture for me. I mean, I. <laughs> Kowalski, Detective, 666. Ooh, bold. Um, what do you do on Release the Clowns? <laughs> I love the way you ask that in a faintly accusing tone. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just I'm curious. <laughs> uh, what do I do? I write. Yeah, that's true. I perform. Yeah. I network. That's that's the other good thing you do, yeah. yeah. Lots of networking. I, I arrange I arrange piles of scripts in neat orders and cast. Yeah. Sketches. That that's true. They kind of cast themselves though, surely. No, they don't. In the same way as sketches write themselves. That's like a good saying idea. They record themselves, Nick. Yeah, exactly. So is, is that what is that what we're, we're going to do when we get to yours? What do you do, Nick? I sit in the, the studio and I record. But they kind of record themselves, well, don't they? They do. <laughs> Once you press the button. So here's a question: um, What factors guided your choices of sketches for this compilation? Um, I, 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 I wanted 
I wanted the ones that made me laugh the most when I wrote them. That's so selfish. Um, yes, it is entirely, but then they are my choices. So. Oh, it's all about That's, you, isn't that it? That seems reasonable to me. Um, I wanted I wanted ones that had really, where the performances had really stuck in my mind from the rest of the team. I wanted I wanted sketches that that showcased the whole team as much as possible, and then I wanted ones that we hadn't already highlighted in best of shows yeah. as well because there, there were quite a few i had to leave out that i ideally would have put in here but i sort of put that stricture on myself that if we've already put them out in their own sh- their own episode and in the best of then yeah. i wouldn't use them so that's why leonardo isn't in this list yes sorry brian cox and and yeah, and the wonders of the Brian verse are not here. But I think especially in Leonardo da Vinci, it's a, it's a, it, that sketch is brilliant. If you haven't heard it, it is in the history special. What episode and number is that? Twenty something. Twenty six. Twenty four. Yeah. Um, but if you get the chance and you haven't heard Leonardo, it's it's beautiful. Um, as Leonardo invents things like the all, theme all park. his things, all his stuff, all his things, and puts them in a theme park. Yeah. Um, so okay, let's go on to our next sketch. Um, this is uh, a runner, the first of a runner. Um, do you want to spoil it by saying something about it first, or just listen to it and then talk about it afterwards? Um, no, I'm not going to say anything about what it is, except that, um, just in case anyone doesn't know, the point of a runner is that you have short, sharp sketches that carry the same basic logic all the way through. Um, that's the theory. I don't often adhere to that, do I? No, no. You, you tend to write novellas. Yeah. Three of them. Um, so this, this is just something that I think is really relatable. Um, so yeah, let's hear it. Go, go, go! Step on it! Oh dear, it's the check engine light. What are you playing at? Get us out of here. With the check engine light on, you're having a laugh. The cops are coming, we'll get nicked. Yelling won't change anything. Check engine light's on, so I can't drive. Now make yourself useful and call the RAC. The RA bloody C? Yeah, if our luck's in, they'll have a mechanic here in less than an hour. Wagons roll for Oklahoma. Release the clowns. Now, I have the feeling this is something quite close to your heart, isn't it? <laughs> well, yeah, at the point where I wrote it, I, I'd, I was going through what was essentially two years of my car constantly dying on me. I spent more time with the check engine light on than I did actually moving yes. in that car. So It's, it's from the heart. Yeah, it, it comes from a very real place. And um, just remind me, no, you've got a really sensible car, have you? Haven't you? Like, like it's Golf or a, a Volvo? No, it's something that doesn't usually go wrong. Oh no, you've got a Saab. A Saab, yes. Yeah, and what? It, it's just not an ordinary Saab. It's a. It's a convertible. Convertible Saab, and yeah. You, and yeah, lovely car. <laughs> lovely car. Lovely car. Bit it, of poke. It does look lovely. It doesn't it, move, mind you. It's very easy no, to look at now. No, it's, it's very, very easy on the eye because it doesn't make the eye move. Yeah, I do remember thinking when, when you presented the sketches, I thought, 
his car's just died. This is just <laughs> this is just again again. It, it, this is just reality written on the page. Yeah, it, it's certainly in the, in the first one. It is after that. It goes a little bit further. Bit skewith. Yes. Yes. So now, our next sketch, your next sketch, is we're delving into history. Um, literary history. Indeed we are. So, um, so I mean, do you want to say anything about this before we go into it? Well, or? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very much interested in the history of English literature. And in particular, I've, I've, I've paid quite a lot of attention to the, the discussion, the scholarly discussions around the true authorship of Shakespeare's plays. And um, for me... This was a chance to to put together a sketch, which was also a very well researched, relevant take. Yeah, I I think anyone listening to this sketch will will you, know, you can hear the amount of the depth of research that's yeah, gone absolutely. into. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, let's. So let's... this is this is my entry into the who was Shakespeare, who wrote Shakespeare oeuvre. Here we go. Master Millington, Master Shakespeare is here to see you. Excellent, Liza. Do send him in. This way, Master Shakespeare. Thank you. Bill, sit ye down, sit ye down. Good morrow, Thomas. You wish to see me? It's about your new play, Bill, Hamlet. Ah. You've done it again, haven't you? <laughs> You've stuck me with ye firsty drafty. What? I, I don't know what you mean, Thomas. Hamlet is my masterpiece, an exquisite meditation on the contradictions of existence itself. Really, Bill? Exquisite? Yeah. Let me read you something. To be or not to be? Well, I don't know, do I? What do you lot reckon? Huh. Well, if you think you can do better, what should it say? That is the question. Oh, that's good. I'm having that. You see, that's the problem with you, Bill. You're lazy. Lazy? Have you seen how many plays I've written? Half written? You what? put together a good story, I'll oh. give you that, but you can't be bothered with the dialogue. Oh, then no. you come in here with your half-baked scripts and I'm expect someone else to fix it for you. Oh, yeah, give me one other example. I can give you dozens. Remember Romeo and Juliet? Ah, my star-crossed lovers. That was a smash. Eventually, once we'd fix things like... Romeo, Romeo, is that you buggering about, about on Mitrellis? Yes. Thank heavens Kit Marlowe was around to do the rewrites. I mean, look for me tomorrow and you'll be wasting your time. I'm clearly a goner. Come on, Bill. Okay, okay, I'll give you that one, but that's it. Not by a country mile. How about this? Friends, Romans... Oi, you lot over there, shut up. This is really important. Yes, I mean, it lacks a certain elegance. Then but... there was, I know a bank where the wild thyme blows, and there's all other flowers and that too, and it smells lovely. Yes, but... If music be the food of love, 
I've got the right horn. Okay, that one is a bit crass. If yes. you prick us, do we not bleed? Come on then, you mugs. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. That's timeless. Bill, this has to stop. It's costing me a fortune. I've got the Earl of Oxford on a retainer and he's not cheap, you know. I can't even afford the rent. Let me in there. Let me in there. He owes me money. my money. You just let me in there, Dorothy. You can't go in, you great hairy brute. Master Millington is in a conference. Where's more rent, Millington? Master Millington, it's your excessively hairy gay landlord. Good Lord, what a luxuriant beard. Whoops, got to go, Bill. I exit, pursued by a bear. Give me my money! <coughs> Exits pursued by a bear. Now that gives me an idea. Release the clowns! And the dirt is gone! My question is, is that the most contrived punchline in the history <laughs> of comedy? Well, okay, so you got me <laughs> there. Um, <laughs> there. There are four main reasons why I love this sketch. Um, and that's the fourth of them. That <laughs> there is something extremely satisfying in how hard I worked to get Exit Pursued by a Bear <laughs> into that sketch. It's genius. Um, the, the third thing I really like about it is it's yet another example of Phil, nice, Phil Nice's persistent ability to steal scenes yes. with the minimum number of lines. And it, Phil Nice is unfortunate man in street yes. in that sketch. And he's just brilliant. Getting, getting buckets of excrement thrown over him. Absolutely. Brilliantly, it's, of course. As if he was born to it. Um, the third one, the third, the third thing. I thought that was the third No, sorry, thing. the second, because we're going in ascending order, yes. That's, thank you for picking me up on that, Nick. I well, otherwise it. the <laughs> listeners would have got confused. That's my job. The, the second thing it's is... So passive-aggressive. Do you know sometimes you, you write a line... And yes. you just, it, regardless of what the rest of the sketch is like, that line just really stays with you. Yeah. Um, for me, Romeo, Romeo, is that you buggering about oh, on my trellis? trellis. It's classic. It's, it's just, I, I just really enjoyed writing it. I enjoyed reading it back. I enjoy hearing it. It's, it's a <laughs> lovely line. I always enjoy it. Uh, but the main reason is that actually I get to have my cake and eat it. I get to basically have... William Shakespeare write my sketch for me Clever. at the same time as accusing him of being lazy. It's genius. That's evil genius. <laughs> well, of course, I know the genius of William Shakespeare is nicking other people's plots. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing how much you can write when you don't write plots <laughs> and just steal them from antiquity. Um, I'll tell you what I like most about that sketch is, is that I as Shakespeare, didn't attempt a bad Birmingham accent. <laughs> I think we're all grateful for because that. Because I would have killed that sketch yeah. absolutely stone dead in the water because that is an accent I cannot even vaguely come close to doing. Didn't we have a discussion about that before? Quite possibly, yes. I don't remember the discussion. And the fact that the Birmingham accent didn't, didn't exist at that time. Did it not? No. Oh, how tragic that it's, it's developed since then. It's, it's a post-industrial accent. Is it? 
Yeah. I suppose they would have all been like the people in the archers, country bumpkins. Yeah. Okay, so so we've done Shakespeare now. Mm-hmm. Um and we're back to your runner. Um yes. let's um check that engine. This is what we've been waiting for. Stuck out in deep space for five years, ready to put ourselves in the path of this giant asteroid and blow it to kingdom come. Lasers ready and locked, Skip. Just get me in position and I'll do the rest. Earth will abide. Oh dear, it's the check engine light. Gun those engines, damn you. The fate of humanity depends on it. With the check engine light on, you're having a laugh. If you don't go this second, Earth will be toast. Yelling won't change anything. Check engine lights on, so I can't fly. Now make yourself useful and get Starfleet Command on the line. Starfleet Bloody Command? Yeah. If our luck's in, they'll have a mechanic here in less than a year. Release the clowns. So you've destroyed Earth in a sketch. Yeah. Happy now? I'm very happy. I'm very happy with that. I've got to say, what what I loved about... um, I've destroyed Earth, including all the bits of it that my accent in that came from. (laughs) (laughs) I was born under wandering accent. Yes, well done, Alex. Um, I, I always, w- w- thinking about that sketch, I always envisage Casper in the Star Trek outfit mm-hmm. sitting in Captain Kirk's chair. Because, um, um, well, because he, like the Shatner, is Canadian. Canadian. Although I think Shatner's from Montreal and, and uh-huh. Casper is from Saskatchewan. Which is very different. It is completely different. Completely different. Utterly different. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but but for for me also, what what I love about that sketch is is the horror, the dawning horror I had on realizing I had to do a sound effect of the world exploding. I do like to set you these little challenges. <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, it was only topped in in the runner that didn't get into this show, which was Lord of Darkness. Lord of Darkness, in which yeah. you made me explode the entire universe, the whole of reality. The whole of reality had to be destroyed. I was, I'm beginning to feel quite destructive at this point. Yeah, you're a destructive man. Um, but what I would like to say also, finally, about the that that those sketches from my side, and I'll ask you about your view in a minute, um, is. Uh, I really like the sound effect I got from SoundDogs.com. Wonderful people to do business with. Um, that is when when the engine goes wrong and you get that sort of high pitch sort of tick tick ticking. Mm-hmm. I love that sound effect, and it it took me about forty five minutes to find. So once I found it, it was like yes, gold dust. Well, that's I, I haven't said this so far because if I did. If I said it too early, I'd be saying it about every sketch. But the the sat the, the work you do on the production, the editing oh, of shucks. every sketch, um, I never feel is this something that I can't write because we're not going to be able to do it. I always I always know that somehow you're going to find a way, even if, as in Mission Impossible, the mission. Oh yes. Um, you, you end up having to use <laughs> forty nine different sound effects. 
My goodness. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the mission, the sketch, the mission, it involves the, uh, is it Gordon Sutherland Highlanders? Or is it just the... Uh, the Argyle Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders. Highlanders bagpipe marching band parachuting out of a Second World War plane that's passing overhead. Yeah, well, that's the, they're the second military band in it. Yes. God blimey. Yes, there was some very hard work in that sketch. <laughs> yes, he, you do set me some challenges. Thank you so much. <laughs> Poor drummy. Poor drummy. <laughs> <laughs> Why isn't that sketch in this show? Because uh, it's been in a best of. Of course. It's also in the history show. Oh, yes. Now, moving on to our next sketch, um, The Pit. The pit. Here it is. Now listen here. Strike or no strike, we're going to national championships in London. Give over, Danny. Nobody can afford that now. Aye, we've more to worry about than music, you know. Is that right, son? Well, you listen to me. This community's seen dark times before. But through war, recession and forces of bloody nature, there were one thing that kept us going. Batley Holt Colliery Urban Music Collective. It's true, lad. Whatever else they took from us, we always had grime and dubstep. All week we'd cut coal. Then at weekend, every urban music collective from every pit would march through valleys, spitting bars and busting moves. My granddad always said there are only two things in life man can truly rely on. Drums and bass. He were a fine junglist. But we can't get to London without cash. Excuse me, is this the Batley Alt Colliery UMC? That's us. What's left of us leaseways. What can we do for you, lass? My name's Debbie. Debbie Armsthwaite. No. Little Debbie. Charlie Holmesweet's granddaughter. Hey, come in, love. Take a seat. Thing is, I heard about the Nationals and I think I can help. See, I've been working for management, but I just got my redundancy. It's dirty money, but it will pay for the trip to London and, and maybe I could join the collective. Nay, we've never had a woman in collective before. They can't handle slut dropping. Charlie Holmesweet were the best I ever dropped with. If this lass is half the slut dropper that man was, we'll be lucky to have her. Any road, with Debbie's help, there's nout standing in our way. Nationals, here we come. Oh, lads, have you heard the news? They've taken payoff. Pit's closing. Oh, it's over. 200 years of history. Doubt drain. But we've still got nationals to look forward to. Oh, Danny... The Urban Music Collective lives and dies with Pitt. I can't believe what I'm hearing. You're chucking in the towel. Grandad will be spinning in his grave. Nobody's giving in, love. And anyone who talks like that will have me to reckon with. We're getting that bus down to London. We'll win nationals and we'll grind up on some hoochies like us fathers did. And us fathers' fathers. And us fathers' fathers' fathers'. And his father's father. Danny! No, Sandra, he's right. We're a boggling community. We've always been a boggling community. Come on, Sandra. We've got to represent. Oh, all right. 
Let's get 131st Annual National Colliery Urban Music Collective Championship or die trying. Massive. Drop the mic. Release the clowns. <laughs> um, I, I really love Brastoff. Who doesn't? As a movie. I, I love that whole genre of plucky, winning against the, all the odds, underdog British comedies. I, 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 I really enjoy them. There's something about the formula that just seems to work, even when sometimes it's actually a very, very bad film or a film that doesn't quite make sense. Actually, the rhythm of those things always works for me. Right. Um, and I just liked the idea of changing something very old and distinctive and distinguished like the relationship between brass bands and collieries and changing it to collieries and bogling and slot dropping. <laughs> I've got to say, uh, that is one of my favourite sketches uh, oh. that, that we've ever done. I mean, not just the writing, it's it. everyone really... I remember on the day that Tim and Marco and I think, well, I think all of you went from the dining room, which is normally where we sit around the table and do read-throughs and that, um, but they went from there into the sitting room, which is at the other end of the house, um, to pra- really practice that while I was in the studio with other people doing other things. And I think it really shows in that sketch. Yeah, there was a, there was a really lovely point during that when um, I think Tim and Marco especially just found that found the right voice. Oh yeah, in that rehearsal and then lent into it. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's really that. That's the point where you feel a sketch really taking off yeah i agree completely i mean it, that leaning in that's that's exactly everyone really lent into it and when tim comes out with that we're a bogling community is <laughs> is just so beautifully done for me uh, i i just love that and um he, t- he lends it real gravitas <laughs> yeah he, he actually gives it a genuine dignity yes it's it's just uh and and that whole thing, that, you know, Amy's character, the first one who comes in, um, she's like the sort of young, idealistic, you know, full of hope. Um, and and that sort of character is so you know typical of those films. Yeah. And the nice thing about that is it was good to have someone from Yorkshire actually to, to, in the sketch. Because yes. Amy... <laughs> Uh, it's the only person in that sketch who's from Yorkshire, unless you're hiding something under a bush. I'm not. I'm from many places, but not Yorkshire. No. Fareham isn't anywhere near Yorkshire, is it? It's not. Nowhere near Yorkshire. Um, it's almost about as far away from Yorkshire as you can get, without going to Truro. And we're not doing that. No, who wants to do that? Anyone who's listening in Truro, by the way, we love Truro. Yeah, oh, love it. Love Truro. Love it. Where is it again? Over there. Oh, yeah. Okay, so on to our next sketch um, in the actor's studio. In today's acting masterclass, I'd like to talk about how we build a character. The character has to come from within. You have to know this person, understand them. You must inhabit them. You are not pretending. You are becoming.
It's sales week at Trouser World. Zip over to our Chino section to pocket a great deal before they fly off the shelves. When building a character, I find it helpful to begin with a place. He's in a clothes shop. Why? What is his intent? His trousers are worn. He needs some new trousers. What sort of trousers would someone like him wear? How about these? Are these like his father's trousers? How do I feel about my father? Hmm, first person. I am becoming. Hello there, sir. Can I help you at all? When you truly inhabit your character, you are comfortable interacting in the moment with the world around you. Someone's asking if they can help me. Can they help me? Can anybody help me? What sort of help do I need from someone like this? What did they have for breakfast today? Yes, you can help me. These trousers are like my father's trousers. I think this makes me sad. I'd like to buy these trousers. Um, okay. If you'd just like to follow me to the till, we'll take care of that. It's important to keep any actions your character takes within the realm of the possible. If your character is not a superhero, then he cannot fly. If she is not a surgeon, she cannot perform operations. My character does not have 40 pounds. He cannot buy these trousers. Why not? He hasn't worked for two months. Why hasn't he worked for two months? Is it because nobody understands him? However, remaining within the realms of possibility does not mean one cannot subvert expectations. <laughs> Sir! Stop! Always explore the space fully. Officer, we've got a shoplifter. Yeah, I can see him. He's hiding behind that ornamental cheese plant. Come out, sir. I need to talk to you. The motivations of other characters should inform the actions of your own. There is a police officer here. What does he want? What makes him tick? What would he drink on a Saturday night? He's approaching me. Am I a renegade? How would a renegade respond? A renegade is proactive. Charge! Sir, stop! Stop, sir! Sir? Sir? I think he's coming round. Sir, I am arresting you for theft and assaulting a police officer in a trouser department. When you truly become your character, the thrill of performance is like a charge of electricity. It can almost knock you off your feet. Or actually knock you off your feet. Sometimes you zone out. I have zoned out. I am dribbling. My trousers are wet. I need new trousers. I have become. Next week, we explore the relationship between performance and food. Meet me by the bins out back of Tesco. And for those of you watching in Wales, release the clowns. <sighs> what a satisfying sketch that is. It, it is. It's, it, it's, it's a, it was a really satisfying sketch to write. Um, it's, it's just it's really nice to play with that idea of someone just gradually, evidently becoming out of control. Mm. Um, and also to play with all of those lovely actor cliches. Mm. 
which again is kind of a case of having your cake and eating it because at the same time as I'm playing with those, I can only write that because we have actors who can really pull it off. Yeah. Um, Casper is just amazing. Yeah, he's very, sketch. very good. He's he's always very, very good. But in, in that sketch particularly, he just... Yeah. Nails it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely nails it. And also Holly and Phil... Um, of course, well, stra- who are always brilliant. Straight personing, yes, fantastically, and and your deadpan tannoy announcer, <laughs> tannoy announcer, <laughs> treating treating all those awful trouser puns with the contempt they deserve. Yeah, they, they they do deserve. <laughs> now, one of the, one of the interesting things for me about that, and you wouldn't have heard it just now uh, in in the audience, um, is that. That was the last sketch in that show. So it cuts to the the credit music. And quite a number of these sketches are last sketches in a show. Um, so that one was the last sketch. And so you want to be a detective? Is that mm, last sketch? I think sketch? so, yeah. And the pit is the last sketch in the show. And um, I do like to put a really strong sketch, a longer sketch and a strong sketch, as the last sketch mm-hmm. in the show, so well done. Yeah, you've got a whole bunch of them. I'm the closer. I'm I'm headlining. Yeah, yeah. I very rarely open the show with your sketches, because <laughs> you know, you know, you need something that's punchy and quick and funny, and you know, for Christ's sake. Yeah, no, no, no I'm kidding. You're a funny guy. Hey, funny guy. You're a funny guy. Or asshole. Uh, one or two. <laughs> But any anything else you want to say about that sketch? Uh, no, no. I just it, but again the 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 editing on it. I remember we had quite a long discussion about we had a bit of a back and forth about how to do the thing of of him coming out of having been tasered, returning to consciousness. Yeah. Um, and again, you nailed it. Oh, that's very kind. <laughs> Jeez. I feel really... I should be massaging your ego, not the other way around. It was such a well-written sketch, Alex. You're so nice and wonderful. Yeah, I I know that. So I thought I'd say something that wasn't obvious to everyone. <laughs> this is what I have to put up with on a <laughs> weekly basis. Or actually on a bi-weekly basis. Um, if only it were a bi-weekly basis for me, it's every day of the week. <laughs> okay. We're going to go from the actor's studio to a very different realm. It's a fantasy realm. It's a check engine realm. It is. And it's this is a sketch that introduces... Well, it's, it's the, I think it's the second appearance, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Of, of yes, it what's is. become two, two of our favourite characters. Oh, absolutely. So, um, and they will take a, a much bigger role in the next sketch that comes after that as well. Ooh. So it kind of cues that up quite nicely. But first of all, um, let's... Yeah. Get to the end of the check engine saga. Yeah. It's a twofer coming up. Tis midnight, wizard, and now has come the time. Your spells will make the vasty mechanism strain and raise the obelisk on which are carved the magic runes which tell how the Lord of Darkness might be destroyed. Quite, hobo, my tiny, brave, little, teeny, tiny friend. And so a pass with my staff thus and... Oh dear. 
tis the check engine sigil. For pity's sake, Dan Galf, raise the obelisk, lest darkness fall upon Middle Earth. With the check engine sigil on, you're having a laugh. I beg you, Dan Galf, before the armies of the evil one engulf us all. Yelling won't change anything. Check engine sigils on, so I can't make the vasty mechanism strain and raise the obelisk on which are carved the magic runes. Now, make yourself useful and light a beacon. A bloody beacon? Yes, if our luck's in, they'll have a maintenance wizard here in a matter of a decade or so. Release the clans! So it's a show-ending sketch yet again. Um, <laughs> and also the destruction of, of all Middle creation Earth. again. Yeah, I th- oh, I thought that was just Middle-earth that time. Yeah, no, th- yeah, yeah, I suppose it is Middle-earth. Yeah. Yeah. God, blimey. If, if I'd realised when, when you brought that runner-up originally that I would have to blow up Earth and Middle-earth in the same sketch, blimey, or in the same set of sketches... I, I I just think you and you and Karen as Dan Galf and Hobo is it's just an enduring partnership. I do love that character. Oh you... Hobo, my teeny tiny little furry footed, <laughs> stupid minded, fluffy head little friend. Um, I call my dogs that. I I talked. I I wandered around the house for I'd say three weeks, just bursting into Dan Galf and, <laughs> until my daughter threatened to leave um, <laughs> but i love that I, I... And, uh, karen's hobo her, oh, her, yes. her enduring faith <laughs> in dangalf regardless of how much trouble he gets her into yes and how rude he is to her constantly yes. <laughs> always pointing out my teeny tiny brave little teeny tiny friend Oh, you shall not pass. I just love that. I, I love that character so much. Um, which leads us neatly into our final main sketch. Yes. And um, now this this actually is is a serious journalistic Again, piece. I wanted to do something that transcends sketch comedy. You, you managed it that with this. That isn't just a silly excuse to do some nonsense that actually carries some heft and oh this is a hefty sketch or alternatively i was just annoyed by watching lots and lots of those misery porn docs that are that are put on to basically make people feel better about their own life that's um, why i watch them yeah by looking at how awful someone else is and they're always the same, and they're always so overblown. And this was the result. Tonight on Watch Out, you could be next. The hidden scourge blighting the lands. You don't even feel safe letting your kids play out no more. Vulnerable young people plucked from their communities and sent into danger. When he asked me to carry something for him, we didn't think twice. Cannon fodder for the shadowy schemes of men like this. Mr. Gow, why don't you want to talk to us? Oh, Hopo, my tiny, brave, little, teeny, tiny friend. Welcome 
to the nightmare world of the Mordor Lines. <coughs> the Shire. Quiet, gentle, idyllic. Could anything bad happen here, you ask? Yes. Yes, it could. And it starts, as so often, with grooming. He, he told me I was special. It felt good to be part of something big, a, a fellowship, you know? So when he asked me to carry something for him, we didn't think twice. But Hobo was just one of many young, unsuspecting hobbits sent east, carrying a lethal contraband. Street name, Ring. Users risk a descent into hellish addiction. Colin, Colin, we want it, the precious. But even those who don't succumb are in terrible danger, trapped in a nightmare from which there seems no escape. He sent me off with these blokes, all tooled up they were, with axes and swords and that, really violent and all. Oh, he was terrified, but what could I do? But it wasn't just younger hobbits like Hobo who suffered. The communities they moved into carrying their deadly cargo were devastated, as this witness, who didn't want to be identified, can attest. We'll call him Barry Ork. This used to be a nice neighbourhood, didn't it? Everybody knew everybody. Just decent orcs living decent orc lives. Raising families with traditional values, like blanketing the world in dread darkness. And that. Then they come in, wearing all dwarfish armour, right? You don't even feel safe letting your kids play out no more. They've even got blades that glow when there's an orc around, so that they can come and stab us up in it. I mean, who does that? Who indeed? Because he sent us in there like, oh yeah, you just got to carry it. But then you're on someone else's turf, and they come at you. We spoke to one local gang leader who made it clear that any hobbits encroaching on his territory would face dire consequences. Yeah, they call me the Lord of the Rings because I do all the ring trade around here, you get me? Anything happens on my manor, I see it, got my eye open, innit? So when these hobbits, they start coming and everyone's like, Rah, Sauron, you're going to take that? And I'm like, nah, bruv, I will bad them up, see? Some of them even tried getting to my crack of doom. My crack of doom, blood! Said elves were backing them and I'm like, nah, blood, I don't business. I will murk any man or elf, dwarf, balrog. So there we have it. But who is behind all this? Who is causing all this misery? One name kept coming up. Dan Gelf. Dan Gelf. Dan Gelf, you get me. So who is this Galf character? What's his game? We tracked him down, hoping for answers. This is what happened. Mr. Galf? What, what do you want? I'm from TV's... Oh. Watch out, you could be next! Oh. And we want to talk to you about Mordor Lines! Oh, yeah! We've spoken to Hobo, Mr. Galf! He told us everything! I have nothing to say. I'm just an innocent quest consultant. Mr. Galf, why don't you want to talk to us? Oh, Hobo, my tiny, brave, little, teeny, tiny friend. I told you not to talk to the bloody press. <laughs> Unfortunately, at that point, Galf was able to escape on a cunningly concealed mighty steed. 
but rest assured, we will continue to hound him until we finally cut off his Mordor lines. Next week, returning kings, rulers or rogues. Until then, watch out! You could be next! Step away from the vehicle, keep your hands where I can see them and slowly release the clowns. What a satisfying sketch that is. It is. I, I find it very satisfying. I, I genuinely do love the works of Tolkien and, and have done since I was a child. But I've also always had this slightly uneasy feeling that there was something a bit wrong <laughs> about everything that was going on in them. Yeah. Um, I suppose particularly the idea that there are races that are irretrievably evil. Yes. Is is quite unsettling. I think the yeah. idea that there are innocent youngsters who can be convinced that they are special enough to go into terrible danger mm. is is quite wrong. <laughs> it the, once I started thinking down that line, it, it all just lined up. I yeah, I can see why. Well, I'm wondering whether you're lo- reading too much into it. Well, they are very long books. So the other aspect of that sketch is is the um I was very I personally from my side was very happy with with some of the sound effects, especially for me the the rural idyll. Oh, it's, it's so nice. I know the the sheep I did sheep buying at particular <laughs> moments for just to punctuate in the background and you know the the river and um and I was able to cheat using when it's Sauron the 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 background noise um was actually taken from a previous sketch I think was Xena warrior princess (laughs) which was also yours wasn't it yes which was a runner you could have had that as yeah I could have had that as a runner um and uh and that one was where like a duck (laughs) do I walk like a duck duck. I think I walk like a duck Duck. (laughs) and she um I think she's in Hades and that was the background noise I did oh, for Hades, yeah, you see. Yeah. So I, I'm always, because I'm a lazy sod, uh, I do like to reuse, if I've made, created a, a, a thing like that, hell, the sound of people wailing in hell. Why would you do it twice? Why do it? Why reinvent the wheel? Um, so I was very happy to be able to do that. Also, I, I think the, because um, <laughs> if I remember rightly, my, my direction for the Sauron voice was that voice they use in all those misery porn docs that makes everyone sound like they've got a cold. Yeah. <laughs> which which I'm not sure I'm not sure is the best possible description of it, but you got it absolutely right. Well, it's very simple. I just um uh uh pitch shifted your voice, I think, two or three tones down or semitones down. Ta-da. And I think I did a bit of uh, a woofle round the edges mm-hmm. on the EQ, but apart from that, you know. A woofle? Yeah, a woofle. Is that a technical term? It is, like a spoffle. Um, the spoffle and the woofle. If anyone uh, listening doesn't know what a spoffle is, it's the um, foam thing that you put on a microphone to stop the wind buffeting it, as coined by, um, what's his name? Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie, that's it. Thank you. Um so, again, that sketch led us into a, a show ending. You are Mr. Closer, clearly. I am the Closer. You're the Closer. <laughs> Coming soon on Release the Clowns. 
the closer. <laughs> so that brings us um, pretty much to the end of the show. Um, although not quite, because after the credit sequence, um, there's a little titbit extra for you, you lucky people. And all I'm going to say about that is, if you've got a genuine thesp like Barnaby Edwards hanging around, oh yeah, you let him go Shakespeare. You've got to. I, I've seen him in Shakespeare, um, in Brixton actually, in in Brixton and also somewhere else. He played um, Malvolio. Uh, oh, that's a good role. Yeah, in uh, in a in a little fringe theatre in central London, many 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 years ago, um, before he became big. Uh, I also saw him do Shakespeare at the Globe, Merry Wives of Windsor. Oh, uh, he's very very good. <laughs> and he also did Shakespeare for us. So that's something to look forward to after the credits. Uh, all there is for me to say is uh, thank you very much, Alex Marion, for writing such wonderful sketches and being all round amusing chap. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. Who's in charge here? I thought it was me. Oh yeah. Thank you. Release the Clown starred Casper Michaels, Holly Meachin, Phil Nice, Gemma Layton, Alex Marion, Karen Morden, Phil Whelans, Amy Holmes, Nick Hildred, Lenny Pickerdaphnis, Tim Keeling, Marco Chu, and Barnaby Edwards. It was written by Alex Marion, all on his own without any help from anyone else. The social media chief cook and bottle washer is Dan Willis, and the show is decorated with bunting by Nick Hildred and Alex Marion. Now, do you have a favourite Release the Clown sketch? You do? Well, don't hide your opinion under a bushel. Tell the world all about it. Tweet us at ClownsHQ or head over to our Facebook page and post your thoughts. On the subject of your favourite Release the Clown sketch, not just any random thoughts that happen to be floating through your head at the time. I mean, that would just be... Oh, that would be classic social media. But hey, why be predictable? Tell us all about your favourite sketch and that'll be fine. See you in two. a stage and all the men and women merely players they have their exits and their entrances and one man in his time plays many parts like probably three or four at least it's got to be that many hasn't it let's see now he's a baby first getting carried around and puking all over. Then he's a boy and he has to go to school. He doesn't want to go to school, does he? But he does. I reckon probably six, actually. So he gets all wistful-like, mooning about over some sort. And that's embarrassing. So he overcompensates, starts looking for fights, seeking the bubble reputation even in the cannon's mouth. Bubble reputation? What does that mean? I don't know. I'll sort it out later. After a bit, he gets all cosy with life 
and goes a bit chunky. And then he's an old geezer, all pipe and slippers, till in the end he's proper doddery. He's lost his hair, he's all squinting like, hey, what's that? And he's got no teeth neither. So he's like a baby, sort of full circle, you know? Shame, though, in it. Ooh, that's seven. Seven ages. Blimey. That's it. Are you happy? Yeah. Go on. Sarah, Sarah. What? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs>